Hi everyone and welcome to Astrovision. On today's show, today's podcast, today's episode, I am very pleased to welcome Jenny Williams. Now you may be wondering who Jenny Williams is. Jenny Williams is the CEO of the charity Enhance the UK. Enhance the UK helps people with disabilities be, I'd say, live in a very un- adaptive world is that a a good description jenny i'm just smiling because i'm just wondering what you're going to come out with and uh if you're actually going to say something nice or not uh, about me um yeah well it's it's to support disabled people um yeah have an active sex life you know that's really kind of you know not just sex but look at everything to do with like trying to break down barriers really that's why I wanted to get you on the show as well, because um, for years now I've been on the kind of sex and disability um, subject. But how, because you're the CEO of the charity, how how did all this start for you? I mean, because, you you know, you how did you think one day I want to start this charity? Um, you know, I don't think I, di- I didn't. It wasn't just a, like one day I woke up and thought, this is it. This is my dream, um, but I but it did kind of it kind of gradually grew because um, I always worked in care homes, and um, all from a very very young age worked in care homes and care settings from um, supporting older people, going through people with learning disabilities, people with physical um, and sensory impairments, and it was just kind of this gradual gradual thing of kind of going okay well wait a minute everybody's sleeping in single beds like I don't sleep in a single bed anymore and I'm a grown-up and looking at people's care plans kind of going why is there absolutely nothing in people's care plans about their sexual needs I, I use the term sexual expression now but that wasn't really used then like 15 years ago but what why is there nothing about that um and then I just started having conversations with the people that I was supporting you know some people use the term service user or clients whatever but um and i was talking to people about it going do you want something written in your care plan about this and some people like very embarrassed go oh no i don't don't want to talk about it and other people were saying no one yeah but no one's ever asked me you know and i feel really lonely in bed at night or i feel really sexually frustrated um and those conversations you know you have to have after a little bit of time of trust you know and, and i was building up relationships with people um, so I started to try and implement that within the care homes that I was working in um, and the particular charity. And I, I just kept getting massively knocked back, you know, and I was told that at one point, you know, they actually said, don't don't talk to Jenny Williams about this. She's not kind of got permission to go ahead to do this. And I, I was trying to set up and summer's equivalent parties for people and it all just got shut down. And um, and I've got a disability. I've got various different disabilities myself. And I just felt like my needs were not not the sexual needs, but but my access needs weren't being met. You know, sometimes we focus on supporting and looking after disabled people rather than kind of going, oh, disabled people are actually working in this organization you know and uh, and actually they have access needs as well so it, it kind of this very long-winded answer but it kind of was going on like that and then i i just got more and more fed up with it and i sort of got to do something about this and and kind of tried and dreamt enhance up it's funny you should talk about the the single bed thing because when i moved into this house 
not so long ago with my parents, I I went to uh, the local authority and I said, I need a profiling bed. Um, and he said, he sent me a picture of it. I was like, I was horrified because for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's literally like a hospital bed, but like a narrow slab, if 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 you like. Um, I'll try and get a picture and, and put it on. But um, and and I said to the occupational therapist, "How on earth do you expect me a to even roll in this?" But also, if I did want a relationship because I hadn't met my partner by then, how do you expect this to be? And he was like, "Well." This is all you get, and this is all we can fund. Mm. Yeah. So exactly, and I think there's—it's not even—it doesn't even come into people's heads that that—that's a possibility that somebody wants to sleep with somebody else, you know, and it, it instantly infantilizes you. You know, you don't sleep in a bed, and so and the minute you you're able to be a grown up and move out, you know, and go to uni or go and live on your own, you buy a double bed. That's what most people do. You know, it's almost like a bit sad if you come in and see a single bed and like, all right, he's got Batman cover on it, you know, like what's going on with him? you know or her and it's just a very natural progression and so you infantilize somebody it's a really really big status the fact that we're not even thinking about that and that should be like a luxury i understand there's a limited limited funding i understand all that but that's it's not all funding isn't always the case not people you know in, in care homes that privately live there you know pay for that so um and these rooms are just not even big enough to have a double bed um so I, I you know it's about reframing in people's minds what it is to support a human being and if we didn't have sex we wouldn't be here what i just don't understand why that's so mind-blowing to people that you know that, that that sex of all the bodily fluids people seem to get the most offended about sexual bodily fluids like sick is way worse you know um and and care staff really really struggle with that but i also understand why because it's legal ramifications that people don't understand um you know people have been so scaremongered uh by poor reporting um on what the law actually means uh you know care staff are absolutely petrified to do anything so i really feel for staff because they don't get paid very well they're massively overworked massively underpaid they're not trained properly um and and they say well what why how could i possibly support somebody in that with their sexual needs if i don't know what i'm doing and i might get arrested so there's all that anxiety that goes with it um so really what we're doing is um retraining people's you know disabled people and non-disabled people to understand what sex and disability actually looks like and it's not always penetrative sex a lot of the time it's having your sexual expression and that could be anything that could be anything to like putting on aftershave or perfume that makes you feel really good or having your nails done or putting on a suit or, or whatever it is that makes you feel good because most people who have sex and feel good about themselves want to get to that point about feeling good about themselves um and we've got to start somewhere with that and again and i know i'm focusing a little bit on people care settings but that's how it initially started and why um, and what my background was that people just put in jogging bottoms and old t-shirts from primark because it was just easy easy for toileting and those of us who remember the pandemic you know we lived it in comfy happens. clothes 
Oh, of course it still happens. Like nothing's really changed, you know, like, you know, I'm not talking about years ago. I'm talking about it's very present. It's going on now. Um, and and during the pandemic, you know, we all kind of came out and went, oh, God, can't get our jeans on. Oh, you know, we feel frumpy. We really, we really want to get our hair done. We really want, you know, there were riots in America because they couldn't get to the hairdressers. You know, these things matter to us, um, to most of us. Uh, and and again, you see people who are very well presented quite often going into care and then slowly but surely, you know, even leg, you know, leg hair grows. If you're a woman and you're wearing a skirt, that's fine if that's your choice. But what if it's not your choice? You know, so these things are so basic and we take them for granted if you can do them yourselves. But the minute you rely on somebody else, it changes what necessities are. And it's like keeping you alive, feeding you, <coughs> excuse me, toileting that's it tell me about your disabilities okay well my headlining um disability if you like um is that i'm a hearing aid user so i've had a degenerative hearing loss um from the age of eight uh, my dad's profoundly deaf he's now a cochlear implant user um so um i've i've lip read for many years and my hearing's kind of gradually going people get confused i've got very hearing voice um forget very quickly that how uh you know that my hearing loss exists um so but i'm really kind of dare i say proud of that i used to be really ashamed of it um and i used to want to hide it all the time and then i started to learn how to sign using bsl and i suddenly became really proud um my hearing aids are pink you know i wanted people to see them i'm like yeah like why should we hide why should i hide this it's like somebody going i just don't even see the wheelchair asta i just see the person in it and you're like well you can see the wheelchair like come on let me like i, I need to be able to get through there so it's quite helpful um you know i want I've noticed people to, with, um, to see my hearing aids i've noticed with hearing aids that people have a tendency to they're getting smaller and smaller aren't they because they want to hide them so there's there's obviously the the shame element there of but i like you i don't see why well it's this subliminal messages that are put through i mean the nhs use a um a company that they uh, subcontract to and it's called hidden hearing i mean you know like that's what it's about i mean boots advert it's like glasses let's wear different glasses different shapes you know some people wear glasses with no glass in them and then you get hearing aids advert on boots and she goes this is a little secret between you and me and she covers up her hearing aids and you're like what's that telling people there's so much shame when it comes to hearing loss you know which is a whole podcast in itself but um but yeah so i think i was just really kind of trying to embrace that and create something so the way enhance the uk set up is a bit like a social enterprise so we run general disability awareness training and sign language courses and then the money that we make from that supports the undressing disability campaign which is supporting disabled people and you know and sex and everything we just spoke about and most of those services are, are for free because that was so important to me that they were free services um but I also, it was like a bit of an ongoing joke with my team that I created a future charity for myself because when I was 40, um, I know you think I'm only 25, I know, but actually I'm, I'm 40. <laughs> Don't laugh, that's just rude. Um, but I got um, I got diagnosed with something called um, lichen sclerosis, which uh, like uh, affects my 
my vagina, my vulva, my sexual function, basically. Um, and it's deemed to be a rare disease. That's what it's seen. It's not rare. It's just it's just that lots of people don't speak about it. Um, and on top of that, chronic thrush and vulvodynia and and um, and uh, bladder pain. So it all just kind of descended on me. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm I'm a CEO of a disability charity. I talk about this for a living. This is what I do. And I could not, I was in the darkest place, the darkest place. You know, I didn't know where to go, what kind of help to get. Um, and it took me, it took me a couple of years really to get a proper diagnosis. I just kept getting misdiagnosed constantly. So now I'm in kind of chronic pain um, most of the time, to be honest. Um, it affects me. Even the clothes, again, the clothes I wear, you know, it, like certain clothes I want to put on and I think, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to wear that dress. Oh, I want to wear those jeans and I can't wear those things because anything touching me hurts too much. Um, I can't sit down for very long. And then, of course, conversations around sex because penetrative sex can be exceptionally painful for me. Um, but I think what it has done is kind of make me practice what I preach and be very open about that, as open as I can with people and... Um, I recently became single again and that's just taken a whole new meaning on like at what point do I disclose at what point do I have those conversations with people um and actually I'm finding I'm doing that quite early doors and it's a good tosser filter really if people are like oh I'm not interested but if other people you know people are going oh actually okay talk to (laughs) it's good when you can you can have that as well for free um but um yeah but I'm trying to embrace it for the bet once of a better word. And it it gets me down sometimes. Of course it does. I think anyone living with chronic pain can't say it's all roses and unicorn all the time. It's not. It gets me down and it affects my mental health for sure. Um, but trying to kind of be positive and talk and raise awareness about it, that kind of helps me, I think. You've got children, haven't you? Two Two children. I have a three and a five-year-old. Yeah. So do you, do you speak with them about about the the your disabilities or Yeah, that's such a good question. Yeah, I do, absolutely. Um I mean with my hearing loss, um they're very good. They're brilliant communicators. Um I sign to them particularly when I'm telling them off out in public and people are like oh my god she's signing to her children and what i'm actually doing is completely telling them off <laughs> going in so much trouble um and they're just like they know when i sign like i'm mad i'm so mad um but yeah so they're really good and also um it's really important to me and it's such a good question that we talk about what you know bodily parts are really called and I will quite literally get the mirror and put it in front of them you know and they and they'll you know before calling that they're only three and five but they'll say my vulva you know or the hole is the vagina and so it's a penis I'm like yes because it's so important that they know what those body parts are called and they know what they look like because something like lichen sclerosis you know young people get misdiagnosed all the time and say children it doesn't happen in children it does happen in children you know, I want them to know what the normal looks like and if anything is to change, but also to be, um, you know, for being empowered by using the right words. I just, I just, years ago, I heard this brilliant um, head teacher and he said, 
oh, you know, why, why do we call all these these body parts, all these a foo-foo and a, a fairy? And then we say to children, a tooth fairy is coming. What do they think? A big vagina is going to come flying through the window? And it just really, really made me laugh. And I just thought, I'm calling it a vulva and a vagina. There we go. <laughs> so. What the meant to be called. So, well, yeah, and, I, and you know, I think it's, I, I personally, I think it's really important that we do that. How, <laughs> that's really funny. How do you, um, ha- lichen sclerosis, how, is, is there a, is there a reason you got that or is it, is it genetic or how, how did that come about? Uh, again, you know, a really good question asked. I always had the answer. Like some people's, because again, dare I say, women's health, not much money has been put into it. Not much research has been put into it. Um, and I do do uh, passionately believe if it was a condition that was causing chronic pain to men's penises and bits of it were shrinking and, you know, in, you know, falling off quite literally, there would be a lot of research into this. Um but nobody really knows what they think is possibly an autoimmune condition. Um, but it can quite literally affect the um, architecture um, and and close up. So many women, particularly older women, who've never been too ashamed to talk about it, um, never have a conversation about it. Their whole architecture is closed so much they can't even urinate. Um, some women wow. have to have parts of their vulva completely removed. Um, I know somebody's had six operations so far um, it, and, and, and you're at risk of getting cancer. So um i i don't know i think maybe i was a i was a, a older mum had my last daughter when i was 40 um i think maybe a mixture of hormones i did lots of ivf previous to that because i wasn't able to get pregnant i don't know whether it was like a perfect storm of hormones that just kind of started it all up i don't suppose i'll ever really know um because there's just not enough not, not enough research people need to talk about it more don't they going back to uh, the disability and sex side of things. Um, you, you've done so much on this already, but tell me, guess there's, you've got Enhance the UK, you've got Undressing Disability, and it, it's almost kind of, I see it as like lots of branches going off from Enhance the UK. Tell me about the Love Lounge. Okay. So, I mean, if you if you kind of look at it, it's like Enhance the UK is a, you know, overarching um but under the undressing disability is the campaign and under the undressing disability campaign yeah we have lots and lots of different things going on and the love lounge is one of them and um that was kind of one of my first babies if you like under undressing because again i was having lots of conversations with people um saying i'm really lonely you know um i'm in chronic pain when i try and have sex do i disclose um, my disability when i'm online um i don't know very, you know i keep having spasms and i don't know what to do about that i've got cerebral palsy for example i, I don't know lots of different things and actually i was i was thinking i don't know what to, I, I i'm trying to answer these individually and actually, I don't know the answer. I'm not an expert on all of this. So the Love Lounge came about where people can actually write in with their problems. And initially, we were calling people non-experts, experts, because we weren't necessarily experts. We were just disabled people. They were sitting, take, looking at these questions coming in and then trying to find the right person. So it might be that we need to speak to an occupational therapist um, or somebody that specifically worked in sex toys or I don't know, whatever it was. 
Um, but it's really grown and um, we now have, I co-run it with um, Zoe Lloyd and she's a full-time wheelchair user and has 24-hour care, but she's also a counsellor. So her and I, um, she primarily runs it, but we now run something called Live Love Lounge Surgeries. So we run three a week and uh, four a week actually, and people can write in and, they, um, and, and book an appointment and they have a whole hour with us. And it can be about anything. And we will, and, and a lot of the time, the thing is with it, Asta, people want to be seen. They just want to be seen and heard as a human that has, I don't mean physically seen, but sometimes that is the case, but be seen as a sexual person and, and actually um, have their feelings validated, you know, um, that, you know, they've had a spinal injury and everyone's just concentrating so much on getting them to walk or you know being comfortable but actually they're grieving who they used to be but nobody's taking that seriously you know or, or yeah. talking to them about that things like that um so we will then have a look and see who's coming in and either zoe and i will take it or we'll find somebody else to come in as an expert and actually sit with that person and i mentioned an ot and she's wonderful and quite often she'll she'll make suggestions if someone's having a spasm for example using bdsm spreader bars soft spreader bars you know things that i would never have thought of because i'm not an ot um and again, that was really important to me that that was free for people. Um, so it's completely free surface for um, people to come in and, and use. So um, uh, it's it's really busy. It shows that it's needed. It is needed because uh, I I get emails from people who've seen the media I do, and they say to me, "How do I tell my parents that I want a sexual experience?" And I'd say. That was the most common question I get. Mm. Well, do you don't want to talk to your parents, do you? Most people don't want to talk to their parents, you know, about, no, about that, that, I these think things. I think that's why I was lucky because, you know, I, we, I just had a completely open conversation when I had started having these feelings with my parents and uh, luckily they were really open-minded and um, helped me with it. Um, but a lot of people don't have that, do they? I mean, there's almost, with disability, there's almost this kind of bubble wrapping uh, protective shield around the person with a disability, whether it's from the caregiver or the parents. Do you find that when, when you talk to people? Oh, absolutely. It's either, you know, whether it be parents or, or yeah, care, you know, care staff, it's safeguarding first. Um, you know, and it's normally safeguarding first, the most restrictive option first. And, you know, uh, we run, we, we wrote some training um, that we we work with care staff, we work with healthcare professionals, we work with parents about how to have this conversation with people. And actually, well, one, understand the law, because that's really important, but just to, you know, really think about when we think about sex, we often bring our own values to it. So if we're thinking about sex happens between a man and a woman, it happens between two people who love each other, it happens when you're married, you know, all these things that we've been taught, they are all values, none of them are facts. And actually, particularly if you're in a professional um, capacity, stripping back those values and kind of going, okay, that might be the case, that's what I believe, and that's right for me, but it's not right for this person um and and actually what's the least restrictive 
option that we can put in this person yes we need to safeguard everybody but it's like one of my friends she, she died a few years ago but she lived in a care home and um, she always used to say to me I am uh, wrapped in cotton wool and I'm bound in red tape and I actually did with a photographer, um, we created that image because it's never gone from my mind because um, that's how she felt the whole time she was in care. She just never had any freedom. It's so accurate, isn't it? That it's that is really like on the nail saying, you know, what a, <laughs> you, I got a, I got a package from you one day because you told me about this great line of sex toys that, you were working on with um, Rocks Off. Uh, and uh, since then, I've become the ambassador of these sex toys because I'm a firm believer in that if something works, yes, jump on board with it. And, you know, I, I love it. Uh, just just tell me about the sex toys that, 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 have, that have just come on, like being introduced. Well, I just floated this one across the uh, across the screen because this is one of the ones that you know. Um, yeah, so basically, I was uh, have got a whole box next to me. Um, so the kind of backstory, which is important, is that Rocksoft approached me years ago and said we want to make an accessible sex toy range, and I said, okay, what does that look like to you? And um, and they said, oh, we don't know. We, you know, I don't know. We were, we were looking at the toys. And I said, OK, I'll tell you what it means to me and what it looks like to me. And again, my 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 background is care, right? Working in care. And I said, well, first of all, people being able to get online to be able to order it. Most care homes have a child lock, so they can't even access, you know, anything to do with sex. Um, so that's one barrier, which I'll come to in a minute. And then say you were able to order it. Um, how do you open the box? because most of them are in cellophane. And if you've got poor dexterity, for example, how do you open the box? Um, were you frozen? Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Um, it was for once, it's not my uh, internet. Um, how do you open the box? Once you've opened the box, how do you get the toy out? Once you've got the toy out, how do you charge it up? Um, if you're able to do that, if you've got a visual impairment, how do you read the information? If you hear an age user, maybe I'm proudly deaf, Death of the capital D and you use BSL, English isn't your first language. How do you understand everything, you know, all the information on that? And then when if you've got through all of those barriers, if you again, if you've got poor dexterity, how do you actually hold them? So once we kind of went through that, Rocksoft, you know, and they've been amazing, said, that's a really good point. Yeah, we haven't thought about any of that. I said, if we're going to come on board and make an accessible sex toy range, do it properly. So um, so we're creating um, packaging that um, that basically you can open with your teeth, um, that you can shake the shake the toy out. These are just prototypes, I have to, you know, stress. Um, but again, if you've got poor dexterity and maybe you wanted to use a vibrator, how do you actually, or you've got um, maybe restricted growth or you're obese or you're pregnant or whatever, how do you use something? So this is just a prototype of like a flexi vibe. And this is a good example of why it's taken so long because it got sent over with the um, from the factory in, in China and it got sent to me and I was like, I don't like the handle. That, somebody can't grip that handle properly send it back so um and we've been user testing it the whole way but what's really important um is that i that i wanted to make something that had big buttons that people could feel and not only could they feel that we had um remotes 
that if somebody was able to um, have it next to their face or use their nose or use their head or their chin, um, so they were able to do that. If, again, they were in a care setting or not necessarily a care setting, they were at home, but they were reliant on carers, um, legally you can't... Um, put this in insert this into someone or um, put an erect penis on a, a sex toy but if that person's that care is out of the room then somebody can use it so somebody could use these and they can have the remote have their privacy and then somebody could come back in and, and take that away and, and, and clean it. So these are lots of kind of prototypes of, of, of toys that we were looking at of how to make them accessible but it's really important that I stress it's like this isn't a range, the range is coming out soon that you're going to be ambassador of called Quest. And it isn't a sex toy range for disabled people. It's an accessible sex toy range. And that's the difference, an inclusive sex toy range. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want something specifically. There are too many types of different disabilities anyway. You can't categorize everybody. And texting was invented for deaf people and now everyone texts. We just want things to be, you know, be created and go, oh my God, that's that's really useful. I find that great. And then it naturally becomes inclusive. And then all the other organization, you know, uh, um, what, what am I trying to say? People who make sex toys, um, uh, companies, etc., they will naturally think to do that because yeah, if they because do that, then they'll get more money. It's the purple you don't power, down, isn't it? You don't go down the house street, do you, and see a uh, uh, sex shop for disabled people, I want to be able to go into a, a sex shop or online where all the other sex toys are, and 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 just say, "Oh, oh, wow, Quest, they're 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 accessible for someone like me." You know, and I and I think that the minute you're doing, the minute you're creating something for specifically for your othering anyway, um, and most people don't want that, and I think I'm testament that you know we we massively other disability and you know 80 i think the stat is i think it's 83% of disabled people are not born disabled you know we acquire our disabilities we actually call non disabled people the not yet disabled it's like you're coming to the dark side people like we're going to have you um you know but but it's true we acquire our disabilities and i'm testing, you know i got side blinded by this autoimmune condition i had no idea it was coming and then suddenly wow you know i'm living with this and um so we don't know what's going to happen to us and so if we're all even if we're selfish and we don't care about other people just think about yourself it may, you know hopefully it's not going to be till you older that things change in your body but if things are more accessible then they're you know why if you can't see as well when you're going out and you haven't got your glasses put a qr code on and then you can put it on and then it will read it out brilliant you don't have to worry about your glasses anymore it's things like that that are just naturally inclusive that are really helpful you're so right it definitely is, is inevitable isn't it one day i think what um where do you see enhance love lounge um undressing disability where, where would you like it to be i mean the ultimate the ultimate uh dream should be for any charity is that you don't have to exist anymore um so ultimately i'd love it that we didn't have to exist but sadly i don't believe that's the case um not for not for a while um i would what i would like is that care home training or tra not just care home but training for healthcare practitioners is um 
mandatory. Everybody has to have it apart their moving and handling, health and safety, sexual expression, you know, int- intimacy training. It's just a given because we work with humans. It should, you know, and actually by not doing that, we are actually breaking the law, you know, and people actually understanding, understanding that. Um, I would like to see... I'd like to see the Love Lounge sponsored. You know, we're not sponsored. We do everything free, but I'd love to see that um, so we can just push it out to go more mainstream, more and more people know about it and can access it, the service. Because again, a lot of people can't afford counselling, you know, or, and, and 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 that's not right just because you can't afford counselling. And lots of people who've got um, speech impairments, counsellors won't speak to you anyway because it has to be a two-way conversation this has been very problematic um and that's not the case for us we're more than happy to have people on that have um, translators to translate conversations we've done that plenty of times so for that to be for that to be bigger and obviously for the sex toys to do well um and then the, and, and the quest to grow um and, and more and more people will be able to access them so um i just want this i just want to destigmatize the whole conversation around sex and disability and you and I've had this conversation a lot there is a place and we especially in your world you know and everything you did with come as you are and the work that you've done for sex workers and disabled people and there is definitely a place for that but that's quite often the only narrative that the media push when it comes to sex and disability and it's like yes absolutely but there's lots of other narratives there's lots of other conversations and my go-to now is when uh, media contacts me and says we want to talk about sex workers and disability I just go sure okay how many sex workers have you slept with I just put it straight back on them you know, and they, uh, I said, well, what's your obsession? What's your obsession with this? You know, this is a tiny part of something bigger. So let's let's see it like that. I mean, they love the Daily Mail hate me, but, you know, <laughs> they don't. <even> know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of beat press come to me and I'm like and they ask me what my opinions are and maybe a few lines. And I've started saying, oh, what's your budget? And then you just like, you don't hear from them anymore because they almost assume that people with disabilities, oh, well, you're not doing anything anyway. So I I assume you do it for free. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And people don't respect free. And then they think, you know, that they, you know, that they're going to get you for free. And I think that's part of, again, when we do any talks, um, when we do anything, we have to make money. This is what we do for a living. Um, but I just want to just a side note, um, if, if you don't mind, that we talk about sex workers. And I know certainly through my, with my condition, um, I was, um, abs- I felt genuinely traumatized when I first got diagnosed because I could see all these changes in me. And I didn't know whether I would ever be able to have an orgasm again, enjoy any pleasure again. It was just absolutely devastating. And um, we've got something called the hub and it's like a sexy little sibling to LinkedIn. That's what we call it. Um, and you go and you, you fill your profile out and um, you can talk to other people about anything to do with sex and disability. And somebody came in, um, a lady called Jo, and she filled out her profile and she was talking about working um, in sexual and sensual massages um, with people who've been through like sexual trauma or not being able to reach orgasm or in with conditions like mine. And I contacted Jo from a personal 
perspective and um, happens to be people around the world join it happens to be 10 minutes around the corner from me and and um, so I actually ended up going to see Joe, and she gave me essential massage and actually was able to give me an orgasm for the first time I had since I had my diagnosis and it wow. was the most emotional th- thing for me and I trusted her and I thought and all the whole time it was happening I had all this inner dialogue oh the shame should I be doing this and I thought wait a minute this is what I've been advocating and working towards for years for other people to do I do have to be talking about this as well and saying there is no shame and stigma in this and she helped me and I'll be forever grateful to that and it actually gave me the confidence to then be able to go and you know meet other people and know what worked for me and know what didn't like without causing me pain so I just think there are services like that out there and it's just again you know decriminalizing it in people's minds even though it's you know um and i'm um, taking away that stigma and just allowing a space for people to come come and talk that's amazing i love that story what yeah because you, you just when some when people go back in their homes and they close the door you're like nine times out of ten people are having sex and doing this but then on the face of it they're like oh like and and I hate this thing where people think people with disabilities are switched off as well. It's like, it really pisses me off. Absolutely. And, you know, even if you are, say, you're asexual, it doesn't mean that you don't, and that's your, you know, that that's not your choice, but that's who you are, how you identify. That doesn't mean that then for, because you're asexual, for example, you don't then care what your hair looks like or what you look like or how you present yourself you know so it's like you get all wrapped on to, up into not only are you asexual but you're you through no choice or not you know um you're forced into that category everything else is then put on top of you and it's just it's so wrong and it affects people's health mental health so massively um it's just it's, it's got to change and i don't understand it like i said right at the very beginning if we didn't have sex we wouldn't be here. Exactly. So why are we making such this, such this fuss about it? And and really understanding that sex doesn't mean penetrative sex. That's a that's a part of a part of sex. But there's so much more around that. And I do believe this with with every part of my being when I say this. This journey of 15 years of working with disabled people, myself included, I genuinely think the disabled people I meet have better sex. And I really mean that because you're forced to communicate, you're forced to talk, you're forced to have the, this, these conversations rather than it's a Tuesday night, we better do it, it's in the diary, in, get it in, get it out, go to sleep, you know, which happens to a lot of married couples particularly. Um, so I think that you're forced to have them going, actually, that's really painful for me tonight. Can I just have a massage? Kind of, we just cuddle and I have a massage and then, you know, and then maybe we just pleasure ourselves and that's it. That's still sexual. That's still being, being intimate. Um, and, and people don't see that as sex, so it's not included, but it is. I completely agree with you. It's almost like a masculine thing, isn't it? Yeah, let's have sex tonight and I did it and, yeah, I penetrated. But it's I completely agree with you. It's not. It's it's about its whole, it's, it's a lot deeper than that, isn't it? Um, if you, what advice would you give to someone with a disability who was in that predicament of how do I get a sexual experience because it isn't going to happen, 
the safe like me when I started out I needed that confidence and that's why I went to a brothel I needed that confidence in order for me to know I could have sex but what advice would you give to someone who was disabled and wanted that experience I think that it's too broad. I think, it, you know, disabled means what? You know, there are so many different kinds of disabilities. Um, I think it would be first about having that conversation and going, what experience is it you want? You know, um, and why... What is is it is it penetrative sex is that's what's really important to you quite often people come to us and they haven't even really thought about their sexuality um a lot of the time um so i just think it's a really too broad a question but my advice in, in general would be um if you know services like our you know us we're available to come and talk it through and let's like plan out a journey because it might be a lot of the time that people don't even you know if you're able to masturbate, most people start masturbating at quite a young age. That's when you start to explore what you like, what you don't like, what your fetishes are, your kinks are, you know, being able to have these conversations. If you have been denied all of that stuff, but maybe you physically can't and also you're in a setting where you can't access that, it can't necessarily go from naught to 100. It might be about having that sex education. And I don't mean sitting in front of a PowerPoint in a classroom. I mean, literally getting educated by all the things that are around us and understanding. And actually, it might not be that somebody then wants to go and use a sex worker. It might be. But there's lots of lots of things in between going from not knowing anything and wanting to do anything to using a sex worker. So what we'd like to say is like, let us help you work out what that journey is and what that right thing again taking away all that shame if that's what you want to do but it might not be right for you and let's 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 talk about it so it's a bit blanket but i don't think it could be a solid bit of advice because disability is just too broad we're we haven't actually met in person have we but we are meeting in around three weeks at the the launch of uh the, the quest products in london and really looking forward to seeing you and i'm really grateful for you being on uh astavision and what you're doing is amazing and despite all everything that you go through you're you're always every time i talk to you, you're always really positive really enthusiastic and you know that's why that's why i've i've almost i've become attracted to enhance the uk and what you're doing and uh, I, I think the future is really positive for someone who is disabled with people like you around doing what you're doing so I, I, I'm grateful to you oh that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me that's lovely oh no well, that's really nice and you know what I think all jokes aside like we're quite bantery in our friendship are we you know we have become friends and but I think it's a bit like you know we're we're kind of um, soulmates in this in the sense of like we know we see each other, don't we? And we get yeah. we get we get what we want to achieve, and um, and I see the same back in you as well. So thank you. I see you all glammed up for the event. Yeah, you will. Yeah, I don't get glammed up much, but yeah, I'll I'll make the effort for you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> thank, Jenny thank you Williams. so much for having me on. It's been thank brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah.